Mr. Sweet. I'm fucking gonna have it so hard. Oh, I thought it was a carrot, bro. I was close. I'm trying to get some. I'm trying to get some energy. Let me get this apple. Leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Ethos Sports Podcast. Ethos Celtics, thank you here for joining me, Patrick Lounsbury, your host, also with my co-host Lucas Gainer. Lucas, how are you doing tonight, man? Can't complain. Coming off this 117-103 victory against the Milwaukee Bucks, it was good to see the Celtics, you know, spin in a positive direction after that lackluster performance against the Suns the other night. Yeah, man, uh, it was a rough little five-game road trip that we had that we went one and four on, and it was just nice to come back home to the Garden and, and be here for a while. Uh, Celtics uh, have played the most road games to this point out of any other team this season, and so that just means that there's more home games on the on the way. And for this team to kind of get into its groove, especially during a really rough stretch here where they're going to have to play a lot of high-caliber teams. Yeah. So as we mentioned before, you know, December uh, is a really tough month of the schedule, but, you know, January and, you know, into February is a really soft schedule. So uh, a lot of home games and a lot of winnable games during that stretch. So, you know, after this torturous December, you know, looks like we'll uh, get off easy in January. So that's good. Yeah, and and the go on here to um, we're just gonna jump right into that Suns game, man. We got to get the bat out the way, right? And that that game was overall was just terrible. The Celtics were just the and the crazy part was that the Suns had no Booker and they had no Aiton. So I was just thinking like, hey, this we're gonna go in here, you know, last game on the road trip. Maybe we maybe start swinging things around. This is the game, and Celtics just weren't able to put together really anything productive against the Suns. The Suns kind of had them in check. I think we have to give credit to Chris Paul, man. Chris Paul is – he is so good at controlling a tempo of a game. He only had 10 points. He had 12 assists, but he's just – he's always seems to be in control. Like, even when it's like he's not doing much, he holds the ball. When he holds the ball, it's like the offense is still flowing correctly. He's getting guys in the right area. And then you had a guy like JaVale McGee who had 21 points on us and just led the the Phoenix Suns in points. Yeah, I mean, the point guard, Chris Paul, you know, like you said, he's amazing at, you know, controlling the game, controlling the tempo. I can't just look at the box score for his impact, you know, like you said, much more than just the 10 points. You know, he's just always great. Uh, And, you know, we kind of saw the same theme. You know, we lost to the Clippers without PG. Now we lose to the Suns without, you know, two of their three best players. Um, you know, it's always you – know, you always see bench guys get a boost when the top players are out. But, you know, this game just from top to bottom, like you said, was not great. Yeah, and I think also a, a key point for the Suns was their bench unit was insane. Like oh. having having guys like Cameron Payne coming off and, and Cameron Johnson, who each chipped in 17 and 16 points respectfully. Like, yeah, when you're – getting 32 points of production, 33 points of production off the bench from just two guys, like, that's a big boost. They also had Jalen Smith, who had seven points. Uh, Overall, they were just able to handle the Celtics with no problem. The Celtics were just kind of – they were sluggish, man. They looked really bad. Uh, I know that they – I think Iona got chewed up and spit out in – LA, but it, it looked like that just kind of like carried over into this game. Uh, also, Marcus Smart has not been good offensively lately as far as his shooting goes. Um, in that Suns game, he shot. Can you guess the number, Lucas, if, without looking it in front of you, probably? What do you think uh, uh, Marcus Smart's field goal percentage oh. was in that Suns game? Um, without not, looking. Oh, I'm just going to go. I'll say two for 11. Two for 11? Yeah. Uh, you know, he was one of 13. <laughs> so he shot 7.7% from the field, wow. uh, 05 from deep. He was 2-4 at the free throw line, just a negative 12 on the court. Uh, the only person that could get it going um, in that Suns game was Jason Tatum. He was 10-25, 40% from the field. Not, you know, crazy, but good enough. He also was weird from the free throw line, had three of six, shot 50% for some reason. Don't know why he missed three free throws. 
Uh, the three pointers were really bad for him. He was one of seven, shooting fourteen percent. Celtics uh, had nobody on the whole entire team really able to hit threes outside of Grant Williams, and that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm actually looking at the box score right now, and guess who had the most made threes and how many it was on the Celtics. Yeah. Who had the most made threes, and how many made threes did they have against the Suns? I will have to say Grant. Is that correct? Yep. Yep, it's correct person. How many did you think he hit against the Suns? Three. Two. Ah. <laughs> Nobody else on the whole entire Celtics team hit two. Peyton Pritchard had one. Jason Tatum had one. The Celtics made a total of four three-pointers in That's a whole entire game. Whole game, man. Are you kidding me? I meant to say this earlier. Losing at the hands of JaVale McGee is just never good, no matter what year it is, no matter what team he plays for. I mean, it was honestly, I'm not going to say sickening. It sounds a little dramatic, but it was definitely not a good time watching JaVale JaVale McGee uh, beat us as the leading scorer of the Suns. Honestly, we lost by 21 points, and JaVale McGee had 21 points. So he truly was the difference. I mean, he played a good game, no disrespect, but you know what I mean. I mean, I would be, I would have been, you know, not shocked to get killed by Aiton, knowing how good of a player he is. But McGee going for 21, that's got to be close to his career high. You know, I think it has a lot to do, though, like what we, we gave credit to is, is Chris Paul's ability to make everybody around him so much better. Like, JaVale McGee probably was put in position for easy plays, like half half of his shots were easy and created generated by Chris Paul. Like Chris Paul is the point guard. Like he's one of my favorite point guards of all time. I think he's one of the best pure point guards. He plays defense really well and knows how to control an offense really well, understands tempo, understands situational stuff. And he ultimately took control of the game. And the Celtics, you know, shooting four of 26 from deep 15%. You're not going to win a lot of games like that. You know, you're going to lose to teams like Houston Rockets, OKC Thunder, if you shoot 15% from deep. So, small the Celtics did themselves no favors. Small tangent question. Talk about a guy who can lead the offense, run the offense, you know, get open threes. Are the Celtics lacking that, do you think? I think that's their biggest lack. I think that's the thing that. So, when we look back at like Kemba Walker experiment and the Kyrie Irving experiment, like the thing that we've. We've, I think we both agreed on this in the offseason that they need a playmaker. They need a really good playmaker. No, they don't. The playmaker doesn't even have to like. And I understand like shooting would be a bonus for that playmaker. But like Chris Paul scoring ten points just proves that like scoring as a playmaker is not as necessary as much as like just having the guy who can control the offense. And you know, I know the name out there, Ben Simmons, has been floating around and everything, but. Like, yeah, a Ben Simmons would make the Celtics better. I just don't see a path of us getting him without giving up one of the Jays, and that's not happening. So, but a playmaking guy like a Ricky Rubio would be solid for this team. A guy just who can get the team in the offense and get into the flow of things. I think Smart has had flashes of doing it well, but he doesn't do it on a high enough level consistently enough that it's it's reliable. Yeah, honestly, as far as Ben Simmons goes, I would definitely trade, you know, a lot of people on the Celtics roster in order to have a chance to watch the Jays play alongside Ben Simmons. Um, I would give up everybody's on the table in a package deal for Ben Simmons. Uh, just can't have Brown or Tatum in that package. I don't care who the guys are at this point. Would you give up Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, Marcus Smart? Horford and a pick? No. You think that's too much? Yeah. Okay. You take Horford out of there? I think Horford has to go in it because of the money. That's true. It actually probably would have to be Horford or, uh, but smart. I mean, Langford's a lottery pick. You trade Neesmith and Langford both on the lottery contract, maybe with smart. And, yeah, I'm not I mean, sure what the money you, is, but you're probably yeah. right. We probably would have to get rid of a little bit of a bit. Yeah, it, it just would be very difficult, I think, for the Celtics to to find a path for that. So, um, But, yeah, this team needs a playmaker. I think um, Dennis Schroeder isn't that for them, and neither is Marcus Smart. 
like Marcus Smart, like we said, we we love Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's loved by us both, but we understand his capabilities and what he what he can do and where he caps out at. And as far as playmaking goes, he has, you know, a cap out. Like there's a certain amount that he can do. And he doesn't do it also on a consistent enough basis for us to be reliable and depending on it. Part of me does wonder if there's a level that Smart could unlock because, you know, he hasn't really been in the full-time like point guard role for that long. So I I understand that he's still growing, but I do get the sense that he doesn't have the capability to be a true guy like Chris Paul, you know? So, I mean, obviously that's a really high bar. Chris Paul is, like we said, one of the greatest point guards of all time, but can he really be a true pure point guard? I don't know. I think Marcus right now is fighting to find the balance between being an effective score because that could be helpful, obviously. You know, we talk about how he struggles on offense. But also be a good playmaker because it's not easy to find the balance between those two things at the point guard position if you're new to it. Like, that really is a tough thing. So hopefully let's just give Smart some time. But I am in full agreement that an added playmaker it really would, you know, do the Celtics a wonder. Yeah, and then another guy that, that really wasn't very impressive in that Suns game and, and kind of was a little bit more on the disappointing side is Robert Williams. You know, Robert Williams was – he's not – he has not been playing as well as he had started the season off. I don't know if it's, you know, something going on with him or his role. But he's just kind of – he's just – I've seen him get back into some bad habits where he's jumping on pup fakes. He's out of position again, and I'm just going like, oh, man, this is where – this was the old Robert Williams where it was like, he was he had like this promising stuff, and then he just make these like very technical, like very just back to basics. He's got to go back to basics because he's making like all these wrong decisions, like these little things. And when the little things add up, they affect you. I mean, I don't think that Al Horford and Robert Williams should get off of you know getting criticized against the Suns because you know they're the guys that are supposed to protect the paint, and he didn't protect the paint at all. So those guys got to be held to some type of accountability as far as um, allowing a guy like JaVale McGee to like really kind of find his way in that. Yeah, no, our pain defense was absolutely not good against the Suns. And like you said, you know, the bigs played, I want to really say down to below the level of the competition. Like you said, Rob, I think he only got about 20 minutes in this game really was, I mean, a negative and a non-factor really. Um, Al the same way, struggling shooting from three still. Uh, you know, hopefully Al gets his touch back, but I don't know. They played much better in the next game against the Bucks, but yeah, definitely in the Suns game. I mean, disappointing for. Yeah, and that that kind of does it right there for the Suns game for us. Did you have anything else to add there, um, Lucas? Not really, honestly. No, it just was a it was a pretty bad game overall, but it did just feel like it was kind of the West Coast slump, like you said, you know. Finishing up the trip was a terrible trip, like you said. They just came out sluggish. Looked like that kind of carried over from the past few games. Yeah, it was a tough one and against four one of the best teams in them. basketball, even without their two best yeah. players. Like I don't want to make it out to be like the Suns don't have a deep roster. Like Mikael Bridges is not a really great player. Like Cam Johnson is not a good player. I mean, campaign is a bit streaky, but you know he's a solid player. I mean, all around. I mean, they're they're a good team. So. I wouldn't say I was like ashamed or anything, but it definitely was a, a pretty tough game. Yeah, and outside of like um too, like they were so close to beating Utah Jazz. So that trip could have went like two and three, you know, ideally that would have been better. Uh, but they definitely should have probably beat a couple of these teams that were man down. The it would have been nice to go three and two or four and one, but the Celtics found themselves, you know, going one and four in a tough road stretch. Um didn't have Jalen Brown for any of the games during that trip as well. He's been held out, but they did get him back for the Bucks game. But before we get into the Bucks games, listeners, please take a moment to follow at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysts too. Again, that's EthosFantasyBK on Twitter. Follow now. Now we're just gonna jump into that uh, Bucks game, man, and what a what a way to bounce back. You know, I think Eme hit it on the nail where he was preaching to the team that they just had to get back to playing really good defense. And 
I think we saw a lot of the good defense and focal point, especially around Giannis um, tonight. What do, what do you think about the defensive effort? Oh, I mean, well, the first quarter, you know, even though they gave up a lot of points, one thing that stuck out to me was the shape of the defense. When you kind of like draw imaginary lines between all the defenders, they were moving much better as a team, moving on a string like you're supposed to as a team on defense. Um, and I think that was evident from the beginning. And uh, at one point, you know, the Bucks had 41 points with about, let's say, with about nine minutes to go in the second quarter. And what did they have? 50 at the half. I mean, they absolutely clamped up starting in that second quarter and really continuing on through the game. I was really impressed, and I I just love the defensive effort, as you know, Patrick. I'm a big defense guy, so I love to see that. Yeah, and we all know that like Gimei's background and staple is like, hey, this is supposed to be a defensive-minded coach, and that was kind of like what started to drive the Celtics back into a better direction, and then we kind of saw it disappear. They went back to a lot of bad habits during that West Coast trip, but they were able to get some practice days in, have some days off. They come back home, and the Celtics ultimately just come out and and really clamp up. They held Giannis, you know, to only 14 shots. Yeah, he made seven of them. Um, but he was, for the most part, they were able to really make him uncomfortable. Like, he was not getting to the rim with ease. He wasn't getting these easy dunks or layups. Um, he was a minus 19 on the floor. They were actually better with him off the floor than anything else. He had the worst plus minus on the, the whole team um, tied with uh, Grayson Allen. So Celtics were just able to abuse uh, any type of lineup that Giannis was in. They were able to attack him. I thought Ime did a wonderful job tonight with his rotations. Uh, he staggered Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown pretty well to the point where like there weren't very moment, a lot of moments where they both weren't on the floor. And that was with, you know, Jalen Brown having a minutes restriction due to him coming back from that injury. No, no, I agree with everything you said. I mean, a little surprising. Giannis only ended up taking four tonight. Um, you know, usually he's a little more aggressive than that, but I think that had to do with, you know, like you said, the team defense. You know, a lot of people having meet Giannis at the rim. You know, Grant, I know, used a, at least a couple of his fouls on the uh, on Giannis, you know, really making Giannis earn it. Giannis did not get anything easy. Um, even on his baskets, like a couple and ones he had were just amazing shots. Um, I, I, like I, I can just emphasize, I was really impressed with the defense. I mean, from everybody to, you know, pretty much everybody but Dennis, to be honest. You know, I think everybody had a good defensive game, really, by the eye test outside of Dennis, um, who we can, you know, get into a little bit, I think. Yeah, we'll get to him a little bit later here. I did think that Ime did a good job, too, of, like, you know, Jalen Brown's first game back in a while, and he ran a, a really good play where Jalen Brown got a nice open corner three to start the game off, ends up swishing it. Um, so this came out really well. The but then they were also I thought they were overhelping a little too much on Giannis in the beginning of the game, and that's where the Bucks kind of made us pay. They were hitting a lot of their open threes because Giannis was just passing it out. And I think Horford does a really good job of, of defending Giannis already. So it's like you really don't need to help as much. Like kind of let kind of let um, it play out. See if Giannis can can finish over Horford because Horford plays really solid defense. And then um, Jalen Brown was really good with the playmaking early on as well. Like, I thought he was moving the ball really, really well, driving, finding, kicking it out. He hit Tatum a couple times for some open looks, and Tatum knocked down a couple of them. Ultimately, just getting the Celtics team was flowing offensively. I I think they ended with, uh, like, 28 assists on the night. Let me double-check that here. Yeah, the ball was definitely uh, def- 31 assists on 31. Wow. The ball, the ball was definitely flowing well in offense tonight. You know, I think especially even between Jason and Jalen, especially at the end there when Jason, you know, finished with 42, you know, really was getting hot. There's a couple of times where Jalen looked like he was going to drive and take the shot. Ended up passing the ball out or re- and then rescreening for Jason. So that was really positive to see because. I think one thing the Celtics got to do is, you know, ride the hot hand a little more. When one of the two Jays are hot, you know, you got to stick with the uh, the guy who's hot. So I'm glad that Jalen, you know, made sure the ball got back in Jason's hands. That was really good to see down the street. 
Right. And then you mentioned how like Jalen Brown was the one who got it to him. Um, it was really a lot of times because like Tatum would get the ball, but he would give it up even though he was hot because he trusts his team in to passing the ball around and getting it back in a better position rather than him just trying to do a bunch of isos while he was hot. And I think that was the real key to Jason Tatum scoring 42 was because he got his offense through, you know, running, running the, the offense that the team has built. You know, it's not just him out there running these ISO plays because he's hot. They trusted, you know, each other. They they moved the ball. And, and next thing you know, Tatum naturally finds the ball. And when he's hot, it's – man, he was cooking tonight, man. It was it was insane. And then we did have a little bit of a heart scare at that, like, 640, 45 mark where uh, Jalen Brown drove baseline. He finished really well um, through contact with Bobby Portis, but then he started limping, man. And uh, we both talked about how both our hearts just kind of stopped for a second. What was going through your mind before uh, Jalen Brown came back in? I'm going to be honest. My mind kind of went to like worst case scenario. Like seeing him hop on one leg and then he like bent over and grabbed it. Didn't look like he could really bend it. I was genuinely worried. Uh, the Jalen had seriously hurt his leg, but, you know, hopefully it was just a cramp. And then, you know, once he came back out, I was like, you know, a lot at ease. But honestly, I, I was pretty nerve-wracked during, you know, that entire sequence with him hopping and then standing there and subbing himself out of the game. That was uh, not something you love to see just of any player, but especially, you know, Jalen is arguably my favorite player. So that was just – honestly, I'm just really glad he's, he's okay because that was honestly tough to watch. I, I was pretty – yeah, man, I was I was scared. I, I, the thing that we we see players when they get hurt is like sometimes they try to play through it. But the fact that he wanted to come out of the game, like instantly red flag. Like I'm like, oh man, if a player's asking to come out, it's normally not good because they definitely are feeling some type of pain, and it's it's pain where they like they can't even like be on the court at that moment. So seeing that Jalen Brown was able to come back in and and be himself again was was nice because he had just worked so hard to get back from that hamstring injury and and be able to play in this game and to see him almost get hurt again and it was on the opposite leg it was the knee that he had issues with all last season so I I still think that's going to be something to monitor moving forward but it did look like he was fine he did have that halftime interview they asked him about the, the leg and everything he said he felt fine and then it, uh, it went away. He just said it was this old bump of the knees and, and nothing serious. So, Yeah, that's just overall good to hear. That was just, you know, a little knee knock. But, uh, you know, while we're on the subject of Jalen, uh, Patrick, do you want to take us away or should we wait Should we wait till later? Um, yeah, we're we, we going we gonna to wait to go in on it. You know what? Let's go in. No, let's let's address it because I, I don't I, – I hate – I hate um, the fact that we – you know, even have to address it. But, you know, just before we addressed it, we we have a brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos. Let's see. Thrive Fantasies. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ethos when you sign up to get a hundred percent deposit match bonus on your first deposit up to a hundred bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit. And the players with the most points win a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. Go check it out, guys. But, yeah, we're going to hop into the vent box here mid-show because we can't we can't wait. We, we really can't. And, um, Lucas, I think – you are going to be more passionately angry about this more than I am, but we're also tired because I feel like we've addressed this before and we have to continue to address this because it's, it's resurfacing because it's everybody's favorite time of the year and it's trade rumor season. So go ahead, Lucas, I'll let you step up on the, on the vent box here and uh, just let it out, man. Just let it out. Well, a lot of this comes from people who, you know, are not Celtics fans people who cover the Celtics, you know, things of that nature. They come from fans or reporters of other teams usually. You know, and I really think it comes from a place of of knowing how good Jalen and Jason could be for the rest of their career. You know, inside of them, they wish it wasn't that way. They wish they could have that or something. They know how much of a dangerous duo they could be. And it comes out in the, you know, manifestation of Jalen Brown trade rumors. 
I mean, let's be honest. You factor in talent, age, and contract. There's not many people that are, you know, a more valuable asset than Jalen Brown. Um, so, you know, you know me. I don't. There's not a long list of names I would ever trade Jalen Brown for. And ideally, I want Jalen and Jason to retire Celtics. So, you know, maybe you know, and like the report said, the camera was a, it was Jake Fisher, who, like I said, you know, to you, Patrick, before the show. He's a reputable source. He's been early on a lot of moves that have happened. You know, I pray this one is not that. He mentioned that in 12 to 18 months, you know, the Celtics might look to shake things up. A lot can happen between now and then. So I just think it's too early to be speculating about a time like that. And, uh, you know, because I truly believe Jalen and Jason can play together. You know, I don't think that's what's impeding the Celtics. I think it's, you know, that we need some other things around them as opposed to splitting them up. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But, you know, Patrick, why don't you go? I think I said pretty much my entire 47 cents there. (laughs) (laughs) 47 cents, no. Oh, Oh, man. I would have said seven cents just for Jalen Brown's number. But uh, I'm just there. It was right there. (laughs) I got you, man. I got you. But I'm, I'm coming in here hot, man. Just stop it. Like, you know, like it's it's not happening. I'm letting you know right now, like Jalen Brown is not being traded this, this trade deadline. Like that's just not happening. Um, and for someone to say 12 months to 16 months, cool. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. But like you're talking about a year. You're talking about next trade deadline, next season. And then you're talking about the off season not coming up, but the off season after. Like there's so much that can change. There's so, so much – moving parts like this team could look completely different next year this team could look different after this trade deadline i think there's moves the celtics so i could be interested in definitely adding some pieces but jalen brown and jason tatum are both young stars that are emerging and you had jalen brown make his first all-star game last season he's already playing really well this season outside of his injuries when he's on the court he's been playing phenomenal he started off the season super hot on fire and they're not even in their prime. So why would you move on from two guys who haven't reached their apex of their capabilities? And I feel like we haven't even unlocked like even more because we haven't been able to put a solid foundation around them as they're getting better players. You could say where they've had really good players around them, but they were still developing. They weren't even close to the players that they are right now. Now that they're at this level of all-star like now it's time to put a, a better team around them because I think if you have this Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, when we had all the all-stars on the team, then yeah, if it wasn't working, consider it. That's something you consider, but you, we haven't seen them with a really great team around them since they both reached that all-star level. So I don't see the whole point of trading Jalen Brown, who's emerged as a top 25, top 30 player in the league and, and, and move on from him. What do you, what do you get back? that makes this team go, you know, wow, they jumped. They made a big move and they got better. I don't see a move where Jalen Brown leaves the team and the Celtics get better. I could see maybe a move where they get lateral. And it's like, what's the point of that when he's 25 and hasn't hit his prime yet and he's getting better? I, you ride this wave right now. In two, three years, things aren't looking better. That's when you start to make that decision. But we're talking about 12, 16 months? Like, no. I blasphemous and you know, Stephen A would, if I was Stephen A, I'd be going super ham on whoever wrote that. But I just think you should crumble up the paper that's saying that Jalen Brown's going to get traded and just toss in the garbage because it's, you know, you're, you're better off probably hitting the lottery. Yeah. The only, uh, you know, Patrick, the only trades that will, you know, work out for the Celtics are unrealistic ones. Like for example, you know, everybody likes to talk about Celtics needing a point guard. Let's think of a young point guard that we would like here. De'Aaron Fox, right? Mm-hmm. First of all, you know, I think obviously De'Aaron Fox would be best suited to play alongside the two dudes. However, Jalen for De'Aaron Fox, like you said, is lateral at absolute best. At I think we get worse. Right, right, right. I've watched uh, De'Aaron Fox. So then, you know, we probably need Buddy good. Heald and maybe Harrison Barnes. But then the Kings, you know, why on earth would they do that? So, you know, that's why I'm with you. I don't think there's many trades. You know, a lot of people. Now, listen, I will say. If something was to shake, which I really hope it does not, I feel like the Hawks are the team that would that, that it would go down with. Uh, 
That's because their hometown Marietta, for Jalen Brown. They have they can't pay everybody there. Um, they have some tradable contracts, some players that the Celtics would like. But still, like I said, you know, I want Jalen Brown to retire Celtic alongside Jalen Jason Tatum. You know, come on, this could be like the home Scotty and Pippen 2.0, except more on a one A one B level. Like obviously, six titles is like ridiculous. That's not what I meant. I'm just saying two elite wing players who could play their whole careers together, pretty much. I mean, that doesn't happen all the time. Like we're we're Kawhi and PG, but you know, homegrown. So I don't know why you would ever you know split that up unless absolute need be. That's down the road. That's more of a sign and trade situation. If you know one of the players might not want to come back, so you know. Lucas out here just trying to save his himself by saying, "Yeah, that six championships is unrealistic." I was like, "Oh man, no, listen, listen, I didn't, <laughs> yeah, Michael. I just meant I should have started with the PG and Kawhi one instead of leading with leading with Michael and Scotty. <laughs> I just meant an elite wing duo, and you know they were drafted by the same team, so it works. But you know that's just a rarity. I mean, I feel like you don't see that a lot. Like you know, so uh, like you know, LeBron never got to play with another guy who was you know a three four interchangeable. You know, so I just think it's kind of something special, and I hope the Celtics hold on to it. And you know, I don't think Brad. I think Brad is a pretty even keeled guy, wouldn't you say, Patrick? Yeah, and I think he really likes Jalen Brown. Like, I think he genuinely values Jalen Brown higher than a lot of teams in the NBA, and I like that because it means it would take a lot more to get Jalen Brown if you were to get him. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I saw some of the Grizzly rumors and stuff like that, and they were like. No, we would we would maybe give out like Melton and and Bain and a pick maybe, but I feel like that's too much for Jalen Brown. I'm like, man, yeah, Brad Stevens ain't doing that. Yeah, so we're not we're not even gonna go. How about Jared? I I have zero worth to begin. Jared Jackson Jr. would have to be in the deal, and we're going to ask for more than that because I would also like Brown is more proven than Jared Jackson. Sorry, not sorry. sorry. No, no, you shouldn't be sorry about that because it's the it's the truth. So, you know, I don't know. Jared Jackson is Robert Williams with an offensive game, with a jumper. That fool has a wet jumper. But uh, yeah, yeah, you know, like I said, like you know, right now that's not something I want to entertain. I just want you know the Celtics to keep pushing, and you know. You know, really celebrate, not celebrate, but, you know, acknowledge how good this team can really be when they put their minds to it, you know. Giannis is having an unbelievable season, you know, kind of quietly somehow, averaging about 27 and a half, 12 and 6. The Celtics held him to 28 and 3. You know, that's an incredibly pedestrian line from the finals MVP, defending champion, defending MVP, defensive player of the year. Like, uh, I don't know. I just think the Celtics... You know, they have a lot of kinks to iron out, I think, still. But, you know, when Jason and Jalen are on like this, we can beat anybody. So, you know, I just think everybody needs to remember that and just kind of relax when it comes, you know, wanting to split up this pair so quickly. Because you know what they say, Patrick, you don't know how good you have it until you don't have it anymore. So I just think Celtics fans who maybe are rushing to trade Jalen Brown, if there are any, you know, just remember that. Also, the Celtics are plus 9.7 when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are on the court together this season, and they're minus 7.4 when they're not. Just saying, you know, they're a way better team. That's almost, uh, what is that, like? 18, pretty much 16 points difference. Almost 18 is like 16, 17 point difference. Like, that's insane. That's insane. So I just, I'm not, I'm definitely not trading Jalen Brown Unless like a guy like Giannis is on the table or something like that of that caliber, no, like, I, I better I, not hear Dame. All right, I don't want to hear Dame. Uh, Dame's uh, past his thirties; he's having abdominal issues. I think also his whole abdominal issue was was lingering. He's an aging scoring guard who can't play defense on a huge contract. I wonder when the last time that didn't work out for the Celtics, huh? Oh yeah, it sounds like. And listen, obviously they're on a different plane of player, but still. Like giving up Jalen for that? No way. No, thank you. I'm sorry. I don't. No, thank you. There's no way I can do that. So we're not there. But um, going into back into this uh, Bucks game as we got our ran off there with the Jalen Brown takes. Um, I thought the Celtics also Romeo Langford was really good. Like he was calm. He hit shots. He he was really good defensively. Like he was also on Chris Middleton. Him and Marcus Smart took turns, kind of like bothering him and and causing you know a bunch of just issues for him 
he was three of seven from the field, you know, not crazy, but you know, 42% hit a three, you know, played really controlled within himself. He had a block in the game. Overall, I thought Romeo played amazing. Um, not as good as our boy, you know, Grant Williams, who five of seven from deep it was money tonight. Uh, just, and he was, he had a play where he juked oh, out uh, Drew fake. Holiday with a ball fake to Jalen Brown and then decided to take the corner three and just swished it. And I was just mm-hmm. like, who Grant is, uh, you know, really, really, that's the second or third time he's done that ball fake. But this was definitely the flashiest and, you know, most notable defender he got it on. Grant has really, you know, stepped up into just being a monster role player for us this year. Um, can we start a campaign, everybody? We need everybody to start tweeting out Grant for the three-point contest. This man is seventh in the NBA in three-point percentage this year. Seventh. That's just unbelievable. If you, if you would have told me he was going to be top fifty before the season started, I would have told you you're lying. <laughs> He's seventh. Like that's insane. Uh, Grant Williams has been unbelievable from deep. I'd love to see him get to participate in the three point contest. Um, they like to pick the bigger name guys for that type of contest, but who knows? Maybe he slips in there and and gets some gets some love this year. Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, I, I think Grant the three point contest will be literally hilarious. Uh, the memes, the memes from that would be hilarious. I just want to see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown there on the sideline. would just not do well somehow in a uh, in a three point shooting competition setting, and that would bum me out. But you know, I think you know he's been an amazing in game shooter. So who am I to doubt him from a standstill? So that would be awesome. He's definitely putting his um, star rack though in the corner, right? Like that's his star rack. <laughs> that's where he would put it. He might swish all of his um all of his like corners and then miss every other throw. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be the ultimate grand thing. That shit would be hilarious. He was awesome. He got into it with Bobby Portis a little bit tonight too, which you know I like to see. You know, can't let uh can't let your team get pushed around. You know your team's gotta have a little bit of an edge, uh, you know, if it wants to be an elite defensive and really just an elite team in general. I'm not saying, you know, to play dirty, but you know, obviously you gotta play with the physical sort of edge. You know, it's a it's a physical sport, so you know. Especially with the way the refs are calling it this year, I'd love to see Grant, you know, kind of trying to enforce that. Yeah. So also, there was a funny thing that Grant Williams did in this game. I don't know if you caught it, but uh, he ended up getting a, a delay of game warning for something very weird. It was because Grant tried messing with the Bucks at the free throw line twice. Like he he would go up to the Bucks, whoever was shooting the free throw, and he'd go there and like put his hand on the Bucks player's hand. I don't know if he had like sweat on his hand, he was just trying to put sweat on their hand or something, but he'd just go over there and he'd touch their hand before they're about to shoot their free throws. And I was just like that's hilarious. Like I'm here for I'm I'm baffled at the Refs caught it and gave him a warning, but he did it twice tonight, and it was hilarious. I was just like, "Okay, Grant, you just you're playing mind games, you're playing defense on free throws. I love it." Yeah, you know, I love to see that, Grant. I love to see, you know, like you know, someone saying in the comments, you know, Sean saying down there, we have not seen that edge since Marcus Morse, and that feels true. I mean, we haven't had a big bad bully since you know Mook left. And, you know, obviously Grant is, you know, kind of a goofy, friendly guy. But out there on the court, you can be a different animal. So, you know, obviously smart is always a tone setter. But I don't think he's really, you know, the type of enforcer that Mook was. Uh, you know, he's just more of a just a great defender. Um, but, you know, I don't want – the Celtics, you got to play mean. You always got to play a little bit mean, especially come playoff time. You know, and the Celtics have that great defense. So, you know, I think they're going to develop a little bit of a mean streak. After a tough December here, I think they're going to rip off a lot of wins down in uh, January and February. Yeah, absolutely. I think this team's got a lot to work out here and, and like turn. I think they have a good turning point. They just need to stay healthy. Like That's the real key. Uh, I know Ime recently just preached to the team, like even if you have your COVID shot and everything like that, just try to be – pretty tight about it you know don't don't be out just clubbing the club or be exposed you know try to still take um social distancing seriously and everything like that as we're seeing teams like the chicago bulls right now who had two games delayed because of the missing eight players you know like i think the they're really gonna have to lock in and, and start ripping off some wins and, and start building some momentum so they can climb up these standings um also thoughts, let's see, and this game, what else did I have note-wise here? 
Oh, Jason Tatum in that third quarter, he had that uh, at the 149 mark. He hit that hezzy, went by the defender, and then hit that Euro step and drove to lane. It was just like crazy. Like the crowd went insane. It was it looked so ridiculous. Easy. He was he was just in his bag. I don't I don't think we've praised Tatum enough for his performance tonight. He we even said it in earlier in the show, like he had like forty two points. Like it it was like that though. It was like a casual forty two. Like I felt like he could have he could have had more, to be honest. Like I felt like he, he was in a zone tonight. Played thirty eight minutes. He was sixteen of twenty five from the field. That's sixty four percent. Seven of thirteen from deep, shooting fifty three from deep. That's like the best he shot all year so far from deep. Uh, overall, played really controlled. Uh, had three steals. Was literally in the lane. He had five rebounds, uh, four assists. He was everywhere tonight, man. Jason Tatum put on a master class, and he looked like a top ten player. Yeah, he sure did. Like you said, you know, I don't know if we sung his praises enough. I mean, this man was pretty dominant down the stretch of this game. I mean, inside, outside, like you said, cooking guys with dribble moves. You know, there was a couple possessions where I wish, you know, Dennis and Al, you know, specifically one or two possessions, you know, would have posted him, got him the ball in the post because we know how effective Tatum can be. But, I mean, 42 points on efficient shooting from the three-point line and the, and two-point land. I mean, can't ask for much more than that. While playing great defense, you know, moving the ball really well, you know, not turning the ball over too much, minus that behind-the-back pass, which we can forget ever happened. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're we're just gonna ignore that. that we're gonna ignore that. You know, no. Overall, it was a great game from Tatum, and he really deserves his flowers. Yeah, he also was a key person in destroying the Bucks when they went to a two-three for a little bit, and he got to the middle area where the free throw line was. He was just hitting jumpers right there, or passing out to the corner and hitting guys who were hitting their shots. And I was just like, wow, they just picked apart that that zone defense so quick. The Bucks had to go right back to man. It just made me remind myself of like a couple years ago when the Celtics uh, got hit with a zone and just couldn't figure it out. Like you cannot do that to this team anymore. Like that is Jason Tatum understands now. Like a zone, he wants you to play. You play a zone against Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum knows exactly where he's going to go and make his money. That's how you get him going. Um, and then also on top of uh, everything else, uh, we had that moment at the three forty mark in the fourth where Jalen Brown. Um, drove to the rim, and it, it looked like a shot attempt. I don't know. If, I still don't know if it was a shot attempt or not. But like the ball went like up in the air, and Al Horford just went up and slammed it home on an alley oop. It was just insane play. I was like, "Is Robert Williams out there?" Because that looked like a alley oop for Robert Williams type, and it just shook the whole building. It was just amazing to see. I, I just thought uh, that was a cool moment for the Celtics. Yeah, that was a really big play. Really got the – you know, the garden was rocking tonight. I just – you know, kind of reminds me of how how few times we've got to see that over the past few years. You know, we're used to seeing it at least 41 times a year. You know, the past couple of years definitely has been a little weirder, as we all know. So it was just, you know, great to see. You know, I, I don't know, basketball – Celtics basketball maybe tonight started feeling a little more like Celtics basketball. Yeah, this, this probably was the best that we've seen the Celtics play – um, probably all season. Like this had to be the best, like forty-eight minutes. This had to be. Um, after a five-game road trip, you you pretty healthy. The only person we were really missing tonight was Richard uh, Richardson, who hopefully he gets back to the team soon. I know he's um, gone. I think it was for COVID reasons right now. Um, but we're hoping that Josh Richardson can return to the team here shortly because the Celtics do utilize him a lot, and he is a valuable piece. I think also that's going to be less minutes for Dennis Schroeder, which I don't mind at all, and I think that will be helpful for the Celtics to have those minutes. Um, and then also we had a moment there in the fourth quarter where Jason Tatum and Dennis Schroeder kind of got into it. Uh, Tatum wasn't happy with Schroeder about something on the play. I don't know exactly what it was. But uh, Schroeder ended up not finishing the game down the stretch. Grant Williams was a part of the closing lineup instead. No Robert Williams either. And the Celtics uh, rode Tatum home pretty much from there because Tatum was in his bag. And they kind of coasted to uh, a comfortable win tonight and ended up beating the Bucks by a good amount. But also had a little shining moment in some garbage time for your boy, uh, Sam Hauser, who hit his first NBA bucket. Yes, had a nice sir. little three-pointer. Lucas, man, how you feeling that your boy got some got, a, got his first NBA bucket? You no, know, it's Sam Hauser season. I've been talking about it. 
It was great to, you know, know that Sam Hauser scored his first bucket in the NBA. Many more threes to come. I really think he could actually be a valuable asset down the stretch. And, you know, I just wish, you know, we had him on a guaranteed deal, honestly, instead of a two-way. But, you know, it's good to see him down there. And it's good to see him, you know, step it up and get his first bucket. In the NBA, always happy for the guy. Um, Yeah, man, we got to see more of him. If he can, like, you know, defend, play any defense, like literally any, you know, I really think he could be a valuable asset to the team. So let's get that sniper in there, man. Yeah, and no, man, I, I think he, he can he can carve out a role here, um, you know, maybe in the second half of the season at oh, some okay. point. Who Sorry, knows? Well, I meant to just say this before we get too far away from that Dennis thing. But I also noticed at the end of the third quarter uh, when, you know, Celtics got the ball and, you know, Romeo was in the corner for three. And Dennis was kind of standing there with his hands ready for the pass, and he stood there like that even after Romeo shot it. And then, you know, everybody went, you know, classic, you know, went to high five, but, you know, Dennis just went straight to the bench, sat down, and kind of like looked at Romeo. Like, and, you know, they high five still, so I don't think it was anything like malicious or anything. You know, maybe he was kind of playing around. But if I'm Romeo, or if I'm Ime, you know, the guy who passed me the ball with like three seconds left, I don't want him, like, you know, Mad that I didn't pass him back the ball. I want him, you know, believing in me to make the shot. So, you know, whatever. I think I don't want to look too much Absolutely. into that. But, you know, Dennis is, you know, is between his ball stopping and, you know, a couple of, you know. No, I actually wanted to go into Dennis Schroeder. But uh, before we do that, I just want to say happy holidays, everyone. Tis the season of giving. But stop giving your personal info to your ISP on top of your overcharging. Your ISP is allowed to legally sell your browsing history to third-party advertisers for a ton of cash. Take your privacy back with your ExpressVPN. Head to our special promotional link at expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Yes, they still have the old name to get a three bonus month on a 12-month subscription. It's super easy turning it on, just takes one click, and it works great with streaming services like Netflix or sports packages like League Pass 2. Once more, that's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Grab those three bonus months now. But yeah, as we we talk about Dennis Schroeder here, um, I, I just am... I know he's had like some good stretching moments, but he's also had some pretty bad ones. I, I see us going into this trade, you know, closer to trade deadline. I'm thinking he's probably a guy that's on the chop block, right? Like it, it wouldn't shock me if they were like, yep, we're not going to pay him next year. Let's flip him for whatever we can kind of get type of scenario. Um, I, I, I feel like he might be involved in a package deal. Yeah, you know, I don't really want to dump him just to dump him, honestly. Um, but I will say there's pretty much no way we bring him back next year. Like, there's pretty much just no way. You know, I think somebody will probably offer him a good deal. Um, but, you know, honestly, it's just some things he does on the court that frustrate me more than even thinking about moving on from him in general. Like, like just the ball stopping. That's a very simple thing. You know, I know Dennis can get his, and he – is a very valuable when he's, you know, leading the bench unit in scoring. But when he's playing in a lineup with guys like Jalen and Jason and Grant and Romeo who are making shots, you can't just, you know, get the ball and jab step for two and a half seconds and then move it. you got to swing the ball, keep the defense moving, you know, and create advantageous opportunities for scoring. You know, and it's as simple as that to me, really. And, uh, you know, Dennis just seems to be like a guy who will pound a little bit and, you know, stop the ball when it's, you know, getting whipped around. Yeah, I will say, man, that Dennis has, you know, had some some moments where it's just hasn't been great lately. And I don't want to harp on him just because he's on, like, because you know, players go through stretches and it could just be a bad stretch. But I think something to note from him is that, like, it's always seemed like he kind of stops the offense in general, even when he's having good games. It's just sometimes he hits the shot, sometimes he doesn't. But it always seems like the offense slows down when he takes too long. He he takes too long to get into sets. He likes to hold on to the ball. So I think Dennis needs to find that way to be more free-flowing in the offense or honestly, like, continue to lose minutes or get traded. Like, that's – it's pretty cut clear and clean when it comes to those type of things. And I think uh, with Dennis Schroeder, you know, it – 
you use get sometimes really good Dennis Schroeder and sometimes you don't. And tonight we saw that we didn't get a good Dennis Schroeder and Ime at least recognized it and made the correct call and not having him finish the game and let Grant Williams actually finish the game, which I think was by far the best, you know, one of the better decisions Ime has made as a coach this year. And ultimately leading to the Celtics, you know, getting a, a huge win against the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, no, pretty much echo everything you said there. I mean, that about does it for me, Patrick. You know, hopefully we got to come back against the Warriors on national TV. You know, extend the winning streak to two games. Yeah, man, uh, we got a lot of tough stretch here to come up, but the Celtics do got a quite a bit, uh, quite a stretch of games here. Just they got a little break here. I don't think they play until Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Am I correct on that? Uh, yes, sir. So, like. I think they got like three days off, but before we do sign off, uh, we, we say, Hey, quickly, before we sign off, we want you also to remind you to use a coupon code at hoopball 20 at manscape.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And you also to check out our pals at mybookie.ie.ag. use code hoopball on the third page of sign up to unlock a deposit match bonus there as well. It's very important. You know, remember Go ahead and trim up your beard and everything. Get ready for Christmas time, the holiday season. Got to get all the good gifts as well. And also, you got to get your bets in, man. So make sure you guys head over there. Remember, it's HoopBall20 to get that discount uh, at manscaped.com and then HoopBall at MyBookieAG. But also, make sure you guys go ahead and follow me and Lucas on Twitter. That's at Opinions and at Luca underscore Gainer, where we – you know, tweet out anything Celtics related. We tweet out other things. You guys can always add us, guys ask us questions or anything. But also make sure you guys give the show a follow at Ethos Celtics on Twitter. And then you can also check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Make sure you guys leave a five star rating and review. Helps us out a lot to move up those boards in the podcast. Also lets people see the show and allows us to bring amazing content to you. Yes. I echo all of that. Thank you to everyone who is already doing all of that. Thank you to anybody who showed up on the Spotify, uh, you know, Green Room Live show. You are always welcome to do that. Come up, ask us some questions, you know. Really appreciate that as always. And, you know, we'll be back, you know, either Friday, maybe Saturday night. Yes, I think the next games are back-to-back, so we'll probably catch you guys on the back-to-backs on Friday, Saturday, uh, cover both games. But I hope everybody has a wonderful rest of their Monday and a fantastic week. We'll be back with you guys. Everybody, we are out. Later. Later.